0: Father, we thank you for this time. We ask as we come together that we would uh, have clear understanding of your word, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that we would hear, and most importantly, Lord, that we would know how to apply this word Mm -hmm. as we talk about the Sabbath and as we learn things. And, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, help us all to learn from each other tonight. I know David brings the teaching, but, Lord, I know sometimes you have other things you want to say or questions that people have that are actually more teaching than what we expect. So I just pray for that to take place. I pray for courage for anyone who has a question. Maybe they're not sure whether or not to ask it. But I just ask, Lord, that we would all learn from every all of our discussion tonight. And we give you all glory and honor in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. 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 Lord, may I have the answer
1: if you ask the question. <laughs> Or maybe just seven more questions. That's right. A couple of things. Before we get started into that book, we do have these books up here. If you were at the outreach meeting this past Shabbat, or if you're interested in being part of a regular part, a regular part of the outreach team, if you will, or outreach activities. We went to the People's Fair a few weeks back. We're going to go to the Cherokee Arts Festival. There'll be some other things in the future. But if you were at the meeting, we talked about a book. It was it was in theory at the time because it wasn't. We didn't even have it with her. But this is the book uh, written by Chosen People Ministries called How to Introduce Your Jewish Friends to the Messiah. So if you're interested in being a regular part, if you're planning on being a, a you know, regular part uh, of the outreach team, these are the books that Judy uh, mentioned, and they are free. Um, and they're available up here tonight if you want to take one again if you're going to be part of the ongoing outreach efforts. There are also some other brochures and different things that... Uh, you can take, regardless of whether you're going to be an ongoing part or not, of the outreach team, just a, a newsletter from J for J and a couple other uh, uh, different uh, different brochures. Uh, why the, the quote church uh, owes a debt, so to speak, to the, to the Jewish people? Why we should outreach to them? Some different different things. These you can take, regardless. And the other one, other book we ask that you you take if you plan to be a, a kind of an ongoing part of the outreach ministry. Is that covered? Um, with regard to the book for this evening god's appointed times most everyone i think was here last week a few few of you were not i do have two of these books left right now so if you are interested in being an ongoing part of this study um we do have a book um and the books are 850 you give the money to floyd uh he's trying to pay off his new truck so that would really help him out (laughs) um so you can hook him up there that'd be wonderful Uh, No, seriously, if you do want to put that in the Pushka at your leisure, that's fine. Just write on a check or in an envelope, you know, Wednesday night book, something like that. So we're going to look, we're going to do a little bit of a tiny, tiny bit of review tonight. And then uh, we'll get into some of the things about the Shabbat. And there'll probably be some things left uncovered, but we'll do the best we can to get through everything. So, again, we're talking about God's appointed times. We talked about last week, you know, what does that mean to a lot of you? We said, you know, uh, we said that the mainly these 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 times are found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. So if you wanted to read, I and mean, that's really always the source, to go back to the Word, to see what the Word says about it. Because we'll talk about things that are outside of the Word, because, you know, the Word doesn't tell us every single thing about, quote, how to observe and all these types. So we'll look at some of the traditional things. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, in most cases, what we want to do is we want to... Um, Honor Yeshua in whatever we're doing, have, have the, the events or these appointed times uh, remind us or talk to us or help deepen our understanding of Yeshua, of, of the Lord, as well as we want to re- look at the Jewish traditions and customs and in, and in whatever case is possible to retain um, the Jewish meaning. Kind of try to understand what a Jewish understanding of these times are. And uh, I'll actually read something from some traditional liturgy a little bit later, because the reality is we don't necessarily need to uh, messianize everything. You know if you know what I mean by that. But we do you know, have terminology that we use in our in our circles here. But in a lot of cases, when you look at some of the liturgy that's in right out of the, the, the Jewish traditional Jewish prayer books and so forth, it's not that we need to change everything. There's some wonderful stuff in there. So we want to we want to consider that as well. Um, we want to consider how these times, how these appointed times of God are not just an ancient relic and something for us to say, oh, that's cool, that's the roots of our faith, and move on from there. Remember we talked about the image of, of the shadow, and how on the one hand, uh, we, don't, we don't want to worship only the shadow, right? Because the, the Bible talks about these things, a lot of these things, appointed times and so forth, are just a shadow of what's to come, or a shadow of, of, of the reality, but the fact is that the shadow should not be overlooked because the shadow speaks of something. There's something that casts the shadow, okay? And that, So that's when there's a shadow cast, it means there's something real behind it. There is substance. So we want to consider um, these things that they're not just relics for us and so forth. Last week when, when I asked, you know, I started off by asking what, what, what about the appointed times? What do they make you think of? Or what does that say when you hear that? There was a lot of things. We wrote up on the board a few things. One of the things that was mentioned that I didn't necessarily get into was what Michael said. Anyone remember what Michael said, the appointed times, kind of what he thinks of when he hears God's appointed times? No one? Michael remembers, right? Mm What did you say, Michael? Moed. He said moed, which is a Hebrew word. And I wanted just to mention briefly about that that Hebrew word moed. You often hear that word associated with the tent of meeting uh, ohel Moed, um, the tent of meeting in the wilderness. Um, we often talk about the Moadim which is a derivative of that, just the plural of that word. Um, and at the top of your notes actually there's some there's some Hebrew there right next to the word Kazdin which says uh, Moadei Adonai. Moade is just the, if you want to know the Hebrew construct form of the plural Moadim when it's used with the word behind it so it's the same as Moadim um, but it's the appointed times or the appointments of the Lord. That word, uh, Moed, just means appointment or the idea of gathering or to have an appointment. And it is the reason we use that word, um, why that word, maybe it was why Michael thought of that word, because it represents uh, those days that when God approaches Israel. And he says, these are my Moed, or the Moed Adonai, um, and he also says that now Shabbat and all the other times we're going to look at in the following weeks are all of these Moab, Yad, and I. And they are described, it's like when you say my, like if my sister were talking about me, she would say, my brother, comma, David Katz. You know, David Katz equals my brother. We talk about that in the office today. It's a predicate and a all this. anyways. It's, uh, it's the same thing, right? So it's a further description of my brother, David Katz. Well, the Moed, Adonai, is further described in most cases as these other things which are holy convocations, set aside holy times. That's another Hebrew word that's written there that has the Leviticus 23, 2-3 next to it. It's called a Mikrae Kodesh. So it's a, a a holy convocation, times that are set apart. So a little bit about Moed and what that means, times, and how these are, the times that are holy, these are not just we're not just sort of rehearsing ancient history for the, the sake of it, but these are holy times, mikra'ei kodesh. It's a serious thing. So I'd like to start off with kind of looking what I would say is our our uh, text under study for tonight. So let's turn uh, to Leviticus twenty-three, verses two to three. Okay, so we're going to start off with Leviticus chapter twenty-three, and we're going to read verses two and two to three. So. I know you can't ask for volunteer so I'm just going to ask Tony to uh, I'm going to volunteer her to read read Leviticus 23 and verses 2 to 3 Speak to the name of Israel and tell them these are the appointed moedim of Adonai Does your say appointed moedim? Really? Yes What version is that? Is that the CLD?
2: Uh
1: yeah. oh I'm just curious okay mm-hmm. it, just, it just says the appointed okay
2: um, of Sorry. Adonai which you are to prefer-
1: So you've got the Lord's name in there several times, you've got this idea of Moed, you've got this idea of, of uh, holy convocation, it's all there, and that's in our, sort of our text for the Shabbat. Now, before I get into the details of that, I have a couple a couple questions, I think, or things here in the notes, um, but it, it was interesting, I thought about this, you know, there's a, um, when you study God, or, or reasons for the existence of God, sometimes People talk about well, okay. Who created God? You know that, that's one of the, the things. There's actually I saw a Facebook post somebody had recently that had a little blurb about this guy that gave an argument for that. And one of the things he brought up is that you know, and, and this is something that we accept, or hopefully you accept as as believers in God, is that that He is an uncreated Creator, and He's out. He himself is outside of time. Okay, He himself is outside of time. Yet, when I thought about that, so, you know, here is God who's outside of time Himself. Um, but yet so much of the Bible deals with time. If you remember last week, even in, in this past Shabbat, you know, the, the chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Nehemiah, there are time markers all over the Bible. And as often, when you read the Bible, a good thing to do is to start off with some of the reporter-like, reporter-type like reporter questions. You know, the who, what, when, where, why, how, and so forth. And uh, some of the questions don't get answered by the text when you're, when you're asking those questions of, of biblical texts. Uh, but a lot of times, when does. You know, time. There's all kinds of time markers. Especially... When we're talking about God's appointed times. You know, on the such and such day of this month, you know, and, and all this very detailed um, as to the time markers. And so I asked the question, why? Why would God, who himself is outside of time, talk so much about time? And and what I came up with, and maybe I'll see if you have any different thoughts, is I really think that it's it just shows us that God wants to communicate with us. And he speaks our language because we all mark our lives by the passage of time or events that happened to us, right? I put in our notes here, you know, where were you? The, the examples are kind of getting old, for some of the folks now ask, where were you when Kennedy was killed, you know? Uh, there were some that were maybe working the case at that time, I don't know. But, there, uh, but uh, then there's other, you know, where were you, uh, you know, during the Orlando shooting? That'll be a, a question one day. Where were you, I, mean, I remember when, I remember when Ronald Reagan was shot myself, I, I, I was in middle school, I remember, uh, you know, these different things, nine eleven, when I was driving the world, all these kind of things we mark things in our life. Our life is defined by these defining moments uh, of time, and so I think that this really speaks a lot to, about who God is and His desire to communicate with us. Um, you see it from the very beginning in Genesis chapter one, right? Uh, in the beginning, right? And that that word is you know, as things started. It's the word for for one is first. Actually, it's a, a time marker, a mental. Landmark. And again, I think that it does show that he cares about us, he wants to communicate uh, with us. He's not so far off that we can't follow uh, what's going on. I see some wheels turning. Do you have a question? You know, I'm <laughs> just
2: thinking when you're talking, i you're like, my notes, but, you know, a friendship with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you don't want to be friends with our children.
1: I mean, I so often, it could be, I mean, so often, I think, my follow up question to this is that I was wondering if you can even put yourself there for a minute. If we were outside of time, and you, you make a good, remind me of something, Mary, as, as a parent, in a way, I am outside of time to my kids, because believe me, they don't understand. Not all of them understand time. You know, So your cousins are coming in two months, and then, are they here now? No, no, it's not two months. Tomorrow, are they here now? No, two months. So if, if we were outside of time, if you were outside of time, if time didn't mean like if if the future made no difference in the past, when you could, if you could see it all, if you weren't worried about the future because you know the future, would you be patient with others who weren't in that situation?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like with your kids, like, why what are you worried about? I've got it under control. You're so worried about these. What's going to happen? You're so worried about the past. You're so worried about the future. Would you? And that's my question. Would you be patient with somebody that didn't have an eternal? Or omnipotent perspective would you even give them the time of day no pun intended really but would you even it's me you know I don't know maybe you would say oh I'd be very patient with them but again I think that this speaks to the I think this speaks to the character of God and the attitude of God that he would take the, the time I keep using that word that he would take the time to talk to us about time and explain and to put things in terms of Time and time markers, and you're going to remember this time when I led you out of Egypt, and we'll see that that's part of what Shabbat's about as well. And I think that really speaks to uh, to who God is and to how God, you know, cares about us, which speaks to a larger question about or larger issues of how can God let horrible things happen in the world and so forth. And a lot of the answers to those questions are not easy, but but we do we need to understand that God does care, God has feelings, and. God is not a power or a force that some people like to come and say, oh, he's just all energy, pure energy. Well, he's omnipotent for sure, but God is, actually has feelings and, and expresses things like this. Why would he take the, take the take the go to the trouble of, of breaking things down by seasons, months, years, time for us when, in a, in a sense, time does not have the same meaning to him as it does to us? Any thoughts about that? Look at that. I knew it.
4: Not I part, you going to
1: go into the... no, We'll see. Mean, if I right? drown, I'll come out. We'll see. We're deep in. No, I
4: was just thinking, because without time, time to, I could think of two other things that time does. Time creates order. Because if we had mm-hmm. no time, there's no way I could say, hey man, meet, meet, meet me on so-and-so time, because you'll have no clue what that is. Hey. You know, so it, it, creates, it order creates order for us. creates order, yeah. But as, um, yeah. Uh, which I, I think is a character of God. I mean, he's orderly. Yes. But the other thing is, I also think it, because of time, the Lord is able to test our faith. Mm-hmm. Because of time, we keep thinking, well, I have this deadline or that deadline, and, and well, well, we get anxious because we think this deadline is coming, mm-hmm. and God hasn't answered, mm-hmm. or whatever, and yet it's, he's trying to show us, you know, I have it under control, so to speak. So, I, and there's probably a host of other things that time does for us, that I mean, we would have to think about it longer. Mm-hmm. No, but I think there's a lot of depth in, in time.
1: Yeah, there. it's a huge thing. Michael gave me a video, actually, I watched today by the 50s, actually. Moody Bible Institute put it out. Talked about time, and it showed, you know, different, it was really a little bit mind-bending, if you will. But, you know, had time, you know, when you think about, like, time, they had a high-speed camera. So we're talking about how we can take a quick thing and spread it out really big. And then you can take something that's really, you know, like a, they have the, the flower opening up. You take this and you, you compress it. You know, and so just manipulating time in a sense, and then the idea of when we look at something in space, how we're seeing, we think it's happening now, but the truth is it happened. You know, so anyways, and he related that all back to to faith and how the reality is, you know, how how how, how in a sense you, you continue you, your life is being lived out even after it happens and sin and there's God, there needs to be repentance and all this stuff. There's was a bit mind bending, but the, you're right. There's a lot you can think of when it comes to time, I and mean, when you start thinking about a, you know a, a being, if you will, God who is outside of time. Yet spends so much of his word speaking about time. It's quite quite interesting. Any other thoughts before we move on? Okay. Also, oh, sorry. Do you think that it was the timing that God had because the
2: earth was a couple thousand years old, right? Like, when oh,
1: well, before Genesis,
2: there's no time, They don't give a, a, a timeline.
1: Over when and dating right. with the Bible and stuff. But so. what I'm
2: thinking is God has a specific timing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He, a lot of events happen, tragedy, you know, happened, mm-hmm. and as the earth went revolving. So and He sees I
1: mean, he, s- he definitely sees it in a very different way, too. I mean, but you're right. There's 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 certain time that has to relapse I mean, there's timing, which is very important. And certain things have to develop in
5: mm-hmm.
1: a certain way, and that's that's all under God's purview. But I mean. also looking
2: at this is the time that God wants.
1: When you say this time, what do you mean? Uh, uh, Moses, right? Oh, okay. We you know, yeah. Yeah, he wants to know,
2: and then he wants all to know how he did, you know, some of the aspects. Mm-hmm. But he also wants them to know how he wants to be honored, mm-hmm.
1: known. Exactly, yeah. Now, that, which which is a good segue, I think, to to the Shabbat, because it is a defi- it is very much a defining moment and a landmark, and I think that's what you see when we look, even at those few verses that were just read uh, in Leviticus 23.3. Um, now maybe you looked at the notes already, maybe you haven't. Is this the first mention, Leviticus 23, 3, the first mention of Shabbat in the Bible?
3: No.
1: No. no. So where do we see it first? Genesis. Genesis where? Two. Look at that, two, yeah. Genesis 2. Let's flip over to Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3, just to see. If this is the first mention of Shabbat. Now when I say Shabbat, we'll, we'll see what it says here. Genesis uh, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Anyone else here? Doctor, do you have I don't have Bible. Does Russell? Can get all, Bibles. Was. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> no problem. How about uh, who's got that I'll read it. Okay, Judy, why don't you read that? first two, right? Uh two and three. Uh,
6: By the seventh day, God had
1: finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay. So, interestingly here, you've got, this is, uh, doesn't, it talks about the seventh day. If you have a seventh day, you have a Shabbat as well. And uh, I'll talk about the words here in just a moment. Um, You have a seventh day and a Shabbat. Now here, we actually have, we have it here. it's in the verbal form. The Shabbat, he's Shabbat is what it is. Um, those are actually two different, you've got a verb form and a noun form. But this is really the first mention of any, of that word at all, of the, the, the Shabbat word. Um, and here you see that this, that here, this is a, 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 a time, because the next point in our notes here talks about what Shabbat reminds us of, or draws our mind to. And the first thing is creation. And this is the first mention of it here. So when we think about Shabbat, number one, it reminds us of creation. Okay? Uh, And another verse, and I I can go ahead and read this one. You can flip over there. This is Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Not the next reference to Shabbat, but with regard to creation. Okay? Exodus chapter 20. Sorry, Mike, I'm making you juggle books over there. Exodus 20 verses 8 to 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to set it apart as holy. And here we've got, let's double check, here we have the actual noun, the day of the Shabbat. Uh, So remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Or that same word, Kodesh, holy, holy it. Um, So these are reminders. So Shabbat is reminding us of creation. This passage here, by the way, I don't want to... Go too far off on a rabbit trail. When you talk about creation, we believe that the earth was created in six days. We believe it was seven, you know, six billion, whatever. We mean that a year is a day to the Lord's like A thousand years, a thousand years like a day. I won't get into all that, but I will say that this particular passage, um, I think if you take it very literally, you know, if we're to rest on the Sabbath day as God rested on his Sabbath day, I think it's a day. I mean, because otherwise we're going to rest for however many years you think those days represent. (laughs) Do I think there's zero problems with a literal six-day creation? No, we've got there's questions we have, of course. But I think this is this is a passage you have to look at if you're going to just dismiss literal six-day creation. I think this is a pretty pretty compelling passage to, to study for sure. But the Shabbat again reminds us of creation. Um, the second thing that's that's critical or that's a uh, key with the Shabbat and that we want to consider when what the Shabbat is reminding us of, what this marker in time is reminding us of, is provision. Now specifically, go back to Exodus 16, 21 to 30. And I see Glee has a Bible, so I'm going to ask her to read Exodus 16, verses 21 to 30. This is uh, an indication that the Shabbat reminds us of provision. Provision. So Exodus 16, verses 21 to 30. It's a little longer section.
6: So they they gathered it morning by morning, each man according to his needs. And the it, by the way, is manna. Talking about manna. And as the sun became hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each individual. So all the leaders of the community came and informed Moses. And he said to them, this is what Adonai has, has said. Tomorrow is a Shabbat rest, a holy Shabbat to Adonai. Bake whatever you would bake, and boil whatever you would boil. Store up for yourselves everything that remains to be kept until the morning. So they set it aside until the morning, just as Moses instructed. And it did not rot, nor were there any worms. Then Moses said, Eat that today, because today is a Shabbat to Adonai. Today you will not find it in the field. You are to gather it for six days, but the seventh day is the Shabbat, and there will be none. Yet on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, and they found none. Adonai said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my mitzvot and my Torah? He, Adonai, has given you the Shabbat. So on the sixth day, he gives you the bread of two days. <coughs> Let every man stay in his place, and no man go out on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel named it manna. It was white like coriander seed, and tasted like wafers made with honey.
1: Thanks, <coughs> So, a long passage here, but but in addition to Shabbat reminding us of creation, it reminds us of provision. Later in your notes, uh, we we talk about some of the we talk about some of the traditions. One of the traditions that, that people do on Shabbat is to have two two challah loaves, and that's that's pictured here in in uh, in these verses of Exodus. That it's to remind us of the double portion. But so really, what it's, it's a reminder of is 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 provision, and for me, this has always been a picture of um, the difficulty of letting go, letting go of control, allowing God to provide, ceding control, because you see right away, even though he said I'm going to give you double, what did they do? They went out and, 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 and tried to gather double and uh, I'd be you know, remiss to sit back and say, oh I, I would have said God said double, I'll just trust him on that. No, I mean the truth is we go out and look for more, so I think the big picture when we think about Shabbat reminding us of provision, it's not only oh, yeah, God provided, it's God will provide, God does provide, and you need to rest, cease, relax, and not worry about providing for yourself at that time. So Shabbat reminding us of creation, provision, and then the last, the most popular thing we think about is rest, and in uh, Exodus thirty-one twelve through 17 is the first passage I want to look at with regard to Shabbat reminding us of rest, specifically the rest from slavery is the picture, but it is a picture of rest nonetheless. Exodus 31, starting in verse 12. And I can just read that here. And you have a Jim? 12 through 17. Did you just read 12 through 17. The Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, speaking to the children of
7: the peace the world, saying, Most assuredly, you shall keep my hand in For it is a sign between me and to you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies. Shall keep the Shabbat, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it surely shall be put to death. Whoever does any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Shabbat of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the day of Shabbat shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat to observe the Shabbat throughout their generations for a
1: peaceful, a perpetual covenant. Is it 17? Yeah, that, uh, no, actually it was just 15, or two, actually, yeah, 17, just 17 is the last year. It was a sign between me and the children of Israel
7: forever for the six days of the Lord made heaven and had S
1: and on the seventh day he rested <laughs> Okay. So, I won't read Deuteronomy 5 12 to 15, but you can read that on your own. It's the same idea that the Shabbat is talking about rest. It's talking about this, is, this is the idea of rest. We've got Shabbat as a reminder of creation, Shabbat as a reminder of provision, and Shabbat as a reminder of rest. Now, I think some of these notes, I don't know which ones I kept in your notes or not, but uh, Shabbat has often been confused, I think, with rest and relaxation. I you know I remember. Hearing people at, at seminary, different places. Well, today's my Shabbat. I'm not doing anything today. They, they would—they loved using that terminology. Uh, and so I, I wonder—you know—is—is is Shabbat all just about? I put R and R. You know, R and R. You know what R and R is? Okay. Rest and relaxation. Carlos knows. I know you don't. You don't know. But uh, rest and relaxation—they call R and R. It's a military term. Uh, and so sometimes I think that's what we think Shabbat. It's just R and R. Just rest and relaxation. And I say on there, yes and no. It, it is in the sense that clearly there's an aspect of, of rejuvenation and to rest from our occupations and so forth. But there is a unique component that I want us to, to understand that that we're, there's something we're supposed to dwell on during the Shabbat. It's more than just, again, more than just simple rest and relaxation. Um, there is a word for rest in the Bible that is more that kind of rest, and that's, that's Noah's name, Noah. Noah. I, put, I put that in your, in your notes. Noah. Um, I didn't do a detailed study on Noach versus Shabbat, but there is a difference. You've got the idea of just rest, just flat out physical you know, rest or even comfort is what that word Noach means, whereas Shabbat definitely has the, the idea of ceasing um, and from something, for something coming to an end. And specifically with regard to the Shabbat, it has to do with the ceasing of what you're doing the rest of the time to provide for yourself. What you, what you do on an ongoing basis to provide for your, your material and your economic security. And uh, this is where I, I put here that I believe that in many, many ways and many times, rabbinic Judaism kind of goes off course when you start studying some of the Shabbat regulations, like not driving or not turning on a light switch and things like that. In a sense, I appreciate the zeal behind that, the idea of wanting to stay away from anything possibly associated with 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 you know, with not observing the Shabbat on the one hand, but I don't think that that really gets at the heart of what's going on here, the idea of ceasing from providing. I mean, I don't think turning on a light switch is, is in a way me providing for myself or somehow not trusting God and so forth. Um, and Judaism does have provisions for things like if you're a doctor or a firefighter in a position of, of preserving a life, that it is OK to engage in those kind of things, but still, there are those folks need, need, a, need a Shabbat also, this idea of ceasing from providing for yourself. Um, and Shabbat really provides us with that, that I put this word margin. Uh, Rabbi Chaim's talked about this idea, this idea of margin. There's a whole book written about it that I, I read recently. The idea that Shabbat provides that that buffer zone between where you're at your maximum capability and, and not at your maximum capability. We all have a limit, no matter how great and how much we think we can do. We all have a limit to what we can handle, what we can do. And God, it shouldn't be a sign of weakness or a feeling of, of inferiority or weakness that you have. It should be the recognition that God has designed us to, to have a limit to where we need to take that margin of space. And for us, at least in God's plan, it's a minimum one-seventh of our life, <laughs> okay? One-seventh of our life should be in that, that margin area, that we're, that we're providing a margin for ourselves. And, and as an example, I remember um, when I was in, in the master's program, I would I would come to services on Shabbat, and then I would head home. And I would get to work on my papers and that kind of stuff, and and I started in this feeling that you know I don't know that I'm, I don't necessarily know that I'm getting ahead with this, and it was a stretch for me. But I decided you know, I'm going to try to just not do this anymore on on the Shabbat. Mm-hmm. And f- my personal testimony I can tell you is that honestly it, it didn't make a difference to me. It was kind of like like tithing. Some of us really think when I get to a certain point, you know, like when I get my papers written or when I get to a certain point financially, then I can tithe. When I get to a certain point in my syllabus syllabi, I can not work on the Shabbat. The truth is, there's a point where you take a step of faith, at least in my case, where I decide, you know what, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna honor God with my increase. I'm not gonna pretend I need all the money that I that God's blessed me with. Same way I'm not gonna go home and try to work and get all my papers done on the Shabbat and see how I do. And in my case, I feel like God provided for me. I feel like it didn't really miss anything, and it was a step of faith for me. And I want to just put that out there for you, maybe one or two, if anyone has a testimony. I think uh, okay. Rosemary and one other person has well, a testimony.
4: I just, I just uh, thank God for being in Israel so many times. Um, There's something beautiful about being, especially in Jerusalem, when everything is shut down, and mm-hmm. you know, almost everything. everything almost You everything. can see all the old Jewish people walking, and everybody in the snow cars. It's <coughs> so restful. Maybe it's inconvenient for us because they don't think it. Well, they
8: don't think it's supposed to be that. That really, yeah. but it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see that. It's mm-hmm. beautiful that everybody goes to walk into
4: the place of worship. Yeah. And um, upon upon the last evening, when there. It's, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: does anybody have, and you don't have to, but maybe one other just testimony of, you know, I I, I th- that were, were you taking that step of faith to observe the Shabbat in a way where you weren't before, whether it's through work or something? Does anyone else have a testimony along with us? Tony? I mean, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I, my minor. I mean, it never happens to you guys, I'm sure. Well, it's a tradition from Tony and I. Yeah. And I, I've shared with
0: To set up markers, say, okay, that's that, and we're not going to touch that. This is is now special, separate. And just in a, again, it almost doesn't, I don't have a word for it of how God has honored Mm -hmm. that one simple act.
1: cool so yeah again that's I'm sure we, you know if you think about it there are probably other uh, testimonies or examples we'd have there but again it's a, it's a step of faith and uh, again I, I just think it's worth considering that I want to read uh, mark 2 verse 27 a lot of times this is for whatever reason this is used as almost an argument against observing the Shabbat or the, on the day we do or something maybe it hasn't been your experience. But I've experienced this in my personal life where people have, at least one person has protected me with this in some type of uh, way to say what you, we don't need to celebrate this Shabbat. I don't know why, but I do want to look at this Mark chapter 2. Very simple, verse 27. You have that, Karen? It's really just one short verse. Let me just shoot with it. This, by the way, just the context for this is when uh, Yeshua's disciples were eating grain and they were being accused of breaking the Shabbat. And therefore, Yeshua says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath
6: was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. So the Son of Man there.
4: is Lord even for the Sabbath.
1: There you go. So this idea that you know the, the, the Shabbat was made for man, not man for the Shabbat. And we can talk about what all that means, but in terms of our context, what I wanted to bring out from this passage is, um, is the idea that something was made for, made for us. You know, if I, if, 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 if something's made for you, whether it means clothing or, or something, someone gives you a gift and they make it for you, what does that say about that, about that gift? What does it say about that? When something's, when something, what's that? Fill the need. you Sur- are, Certainly for the enjoyment. And I think, the unique, I think it speaks of uniqueness, personally. For me, that's kind of what it said to me. Um, that it's, it's something special. Something is made for you. It has thought behind it. Um, and I put in your notes here, maybe I did, that, that that's another thing that the Shabbat really is. It's a special sign between God and Israel. Uh, I won't look at the passages there, so we have some more stuff to go through. But this was a special sign between God and Israel, the Shabbat. But in another way, as it says here, it's made for humanity. Man means man and women. Men and women. It's made for, for humankind. The Shabbat is a special thing made for for humanity. As is rest, worship, renewal. Those are all things. Those things predate the existence of Israel. So we saw that you know the, the, the talk of Shabbat and the idea of Shabbat does predate Israel. Predates the commandments and so forth. That in a bigger way, uh, Shabbat is, is something made for, for people. I do I do want to read um, Isaiah fifty eight. 13 to 14. Isaiah, this is along the same line. Isaiah 58, 13 to 14. This is a Bible study, so I looking at a lot of the Bible. Isaiah 58, verses 13 to 14. And let's see. Maurice, do you have that? I do. Andy? Yes. Okay.
4: If you turn back your foot from Shabbat, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call Shabbat a delight, the, the holy day of Adonai, honorable. Where am I going? Uh, just 13, was it 13 and 14,
1: I believe? not okay. right here, I'm sorry. Yeah, 13 and 14.
4: If you honor it, not going your own way, not seeking your own pleasure, nor speaking your usual speech, then you will delight yourself in Adonai, and I will let you ride over the heights of the I will feed you with the inheritance of your father, Jacob. For
1: the mouth of Adonai has spoken. So in terms of, you know, this, this is where I get the picture that, um, you know, if you ever do struggle or come across the, 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 the argument, if you will, that, you know, we talked a little bit last week, you know, these appointed times of God, they're oppressive. Why are you under the law and all this kind of stuff? I mean, this, this in addition to the, the idea of the Shabbat being made for you, um, is, a, is a good picture of the, the delight and the joy that should be present in the Shabbat. The words here, I mean, that, that, that's the T isn't it? TLV. I mean, the, the words here are multiple times repeating this idea of desire and joy uh, that, that's here in the text here, that, that the words are. So to me, when we talk about, you know, some people sometimes show up at our door, they call us, I say us, oh, you up owner, call us at the office, are you all Sabbath keepers you keep the Sabbath, or they show up and say, you know, I'm so happy you guys are Sabbath keepers. And I want to say, you know what, uh, we're actually Sabbath enjoyers. You know, <laughs> we, kind of, we kind of enjoy, and I, I get what they're saying, and I, I think there's a, probably an issue behind the issue, as Chaim says there. But these these passages, and passages like like Mark, and this passage should, should show us that, you know what, yes, we keep the Shabbat, but we are to enjoy the Shabbat. The Shabbat is made for us, and we should enjoy the Sabbath. And um, I would ask for comments, but I want to keep going. Before, oh, one comment from the from the elder. I have to uh, comment. The word holy uh-huh. applies. I should Yeah, like holy exactly. Holy, holy convocation talks about holy. What's that? I think that. it's right there in this text we just read. It's, it's got. It's in there. One, two. Yeah, Kadosh is in there at least twice in, in this one. This one passage here. Um. The next, uh, I'll circle back maybe to some kind of overall thoughts about the Shabbat and things for us to think about, but I do want to spend at least a couple minutes talking about uh, this, this next section, which maybe you'll chuckle at. I don't know. I put, quote, New Covenant or slash Christian Sabbath versus uh, Old Covenant slash Jewish Sabbath. Is this a real comparison? Uh, is this something? Is there such a thing as the Old Testament? My neighbors I believe it was kind of funny one time. I was joking with him, he was out in his yard working on the Shabbat, and again, I don't believe that's, he's not a, he's not a landscaper, I think it's fine, uh, but uh, I said, oh, you're working on the Shabbat, he said, oh yeah, that's right, today is the old Shabbat, the Shabbat. and so and I didn't get into it, it was a kind of fun interplay, but you know, you will hear this, that that's the old Shabbat, this is the new Sabbath, is, that, is there such a thing, and I won't get into, I'm going to sort of direct the, uh, the, the, the points here, we can talk about them afterwards if we have some time. Or I'll stick around after. Um, is there a legitimate comparison? You know, aren't we told in the New Covenant to, that the believers they worshipped on the first day of the week? Does it say that in the New Covenant? No. Well, some of your translations will say that. In fact, if you were to search on that, the first met on the first day of the week, you'll find a number, half a dozen or so, uh, quote New Testament passages that come up. And a lot of, and I think out of all the ones I looked at, one of them actually uses what's called the ordinal number. You in cardinal and ordinal? Cardinal is one, two, three, four. Ordinal is first, second, third, fourth. So most of them use the cardinal. The, the Actually, all but the one that I found. So they say, even though it says your translation in English, might say the first day of the week. They met on the first day of the week, or the first, first, first. It's really day one, day one, day one, day one. Mia is what it says. And so um, the point being is that I believe that is, a, that is a clear indication that it's time to creation. And um, not only that, not only that, is that, of course, we know there's no reckoning of time with regard to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and that kind of thing. Everything revolves around the Shabbat, the seventh day. Without the seventh day, there's no first day. So the point is, I don't believe there's evidence there um, for that. Not only if it was the first day of the week, when does the first day of the week start? Okay. Saturday, evening. Saturday evening. Saturday evening. Okay. Um, this gets into a lot of technical arguments. And we'll taking a breath to say something. Go ahead. I know you want. Please. No, no. I'm no. just saying you. Yeah.
4: There's a difference in saying they met a particular time on the first of the, of the, of the week, which could be Saturday evening, than mm-hmm. it is to say we are commanded or asked Correct. to worship on the first day. Right. And there's
1: no such commandment. Exactly. So, what I'm, my point being is that you're exactly right. That's a good, good distinction. And, and I say it a little later on that there's no, there's no commandment in the New Covenant to worship. To, for the, the Sabbath never changed, is what I'm saying. <laughs> there's been volumes written on this. There's probably the, the seminal, the main volume uh, by a guy named Samuel Bakiochi uh, from Sabbath to Sunday. It's a very detailed Ph.D. work, wrote out of, wrote in Italy for his dissertation. But the point is, the upshot of his work is there's no real evidence in, in the New Testament writings that the Shabbat was changing. Did they meet on the first day of the week? Yes. What was it for? Was it you know was it the Shabbat? No. Was it Saturday night? Could have been. May have been Sunday morning. The point is, it was in that that time frame. Um, but again, the, there, would be no, there would be no first without that reference point to anchor, the Shabbat. Um, and so the idea that that's something new or a replacement of the Shabbat in itself is just not a good argument because there would be no, again, no first without, without the seventh to begin with. Um, in the seventh day in Shabbat, that's the link, and there's never been a separation. When we read some of those passages in Exodus, it talks about day seven shall be a Shabbat. Day seven is the Shabbat. It's, it's not the same word, if that makes sense. There's so a day seven, and there's a Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no requirement in the New Covenant Scriptures for Gentiles to observe the seventh-day Shabbat. Not to open a can of worms here. There's no biblical evidence that after the resurrection, somehow that day changed
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, from Shabbat to, or from Saturday to Sunday, uh, from the seventh day to the first day. Um, there's no reason. Again, these are a lot of pregnant statements that I don't want to necessarily argue out right here, but we can talk about them. But there's no, um, no reason people could not set aside Sunday I don't see anything wrong with setting aside Sunday as the day of that they're that they're recognizing God and they're putting maybe the Sabbath principles uh, on that day into place. I don't see a problem with that as a special day of rest and worship. Um, when we get into the do we have to do we not have to should they you know all these kind of questions. I think you know what about Messianic Jews what about Jewish believers should they must they should we celebrate on Shabbat should we when you get into these should questions should we yes. Should we know, yes, no, you're not, or, or not, not? Um, I think that's the wrong question. Okay. I think that's the wrong question to begin with. Because if we're only looking to those things that we are required to do, or supposed to do, um, then, that leads to improper actions, like, uh, and these are my opinion of what these things lead to. Number one, they lead to minimalism. Yes. What's the minimum I need to do to get this done? Um, they lead to, of course, legalism, okay, which we, we know what that is, I uh, hope. Uh, and they need to lead to judgmentalism. Those are the isms, I think, that looking at the should I or should I not, should Jews, should the, quote, church, or should they not, and, and you know, are they Sabbath keepers kind of stuff, leads to those things, minimalism, legalism, and uh, um, judgmentalism. So, again, that's a can of worms I know. Let me take, we only got, got 13 minutes left here, so I want to get through some of these other things. Hit some conclusions, and then if we have time for maybe just one, yeah, one thing, right, real quick. When
6: was it instituted that uh, Sabbath was on Sunday? Is it the council of Nicaea? Is it written anywhere in
1: history?
5: Well, to make
1: make to make a broad statement, first of all, I don't think it's for if it's written, it's it's a historical kind of. I mean, to try to change the course of history is what you'd be doing. I think uh, when you try to pinpoint it, it's going to be difficult. However, I think in general. You'll find historically that it's a lot of it is um, reaction to Jewish stuff, Mm -hmm. just like some of the Jewish thought now about Isaiah 53, for example, not being about the Messiah. It's a reaction to. Mm -hmm. You guys are wrong, and let's have a debate and tell you why you need to agree with us or burn, kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I think historically, there's no. I'm not going to pinpoint a date. I don't don't know that there is a pinpointed date, but I think it's more historical in a reaction to Jewish stuff. And it goes it goes both ways again. There's the Jewish thing. Jewish Jewish history has reacted to quote Christian history as and as well as it's happened the other way. But I don't think there's any particular date and time. Just um, take a little bit of just a few minutes here to talk about some of the traditions and customs. If you read the book God's appointed times, he talked about some of the things. There's all kinds of again as far as how to celebrate Shabbat or any of these things. There's lots of different opinions, lots of different traditions. Uh, I just I listed some of the general. Traditions, some of the standard traditions. Because if you decide you want to observe some of these things, again, is tradition um, a bad thing? Mm. No. In fact, I'll take it up I may have decided to read it somewhere else, but I'll take a moment just to read it right here. Uh, there's a, uh, I'll do it on, I'll do it on the kiddush part. First thing is two candles. You'll often see Shabbat candles. It's a good gift for a Jewish person, by the way, if you're invited to a wedding or or something like that. It'd be a very thoughtful gift. I got one set of those for my wedding. We really liked them. We used them, and there was no one else gave us Shabbat candles uh, or Shabbat candlesticks. Um, the two candles, you know, you'll hear different interpretations, but you, know, you can decide that this means that I'm going to keep uh, the Shabbat and I'm going to observe the Shabbat. And you know, the keep and observe is, is one of the things that people will say that the two candles represent. You might find other reasons as well. Uh, when the woman of the house lights the candles, she does this thing. You often you see this at our events, and she'll it's like an idea of, of, of welcoming in the Shabbat uh, and then, if you get deeper into some Jewish tradition, it's the Shabbat queen, the Shabbat, you know, uh, whatever. And so, we won't go there. But the woman will cover her eyes; she'll, she'll light the candles. Okay, uh, cover her eyes, say the blessing, and open like that. And do you know why? Once you've said the blessing, this is this is a Jewish thought for you. Once you said the blessing, it's Shabbat; you can't light candles. That's a, that's that. You can't candle a fire. So, hey, they're already lit. You know. <laughs> Listen, it's we Jews are creative. We got to figure out how to how to get this thing done, right? So that's why you don't want to light anything after that, because you'd be breaking the, the commandment. Uh, then we have the kiddush, which we say every week. The kiddush is the uh, again from the word kiddush, set apart, holy. The idea of drinking wine is a is a time of set apartness. It's also a time of joy. I mean, let's let's face it. We don't we, don't, we, we uh, you know wine might make you happy if you drink a little too much of it, and it's, it's a picture of joy. And you know, we say that pretty uh, I we say that every week, right? Would well, you know that the prayer goes on after that? Mm-hmm. Oh look at that. I won't sing it for you. But I will I'm gonna read it in English for you. But it goes on after that. Blessed are you, Lord of God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And the reason I'm reading this is I want you to just hear some this is tradition, this is a messianic Shabbat Siddur, but this is this is a traditional this is a traditional Jewish prayer. This is when my friend Joe comes to my house. And we do the, he started pick, singing this, and I picked up with him, and this is the same thing he knows, word for word, same tune, everything. Okay? So after the fruit of the vine, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and taken delight in us. With love and favor, he gave us the holy Shabbat as a heritage, a remembrance of the works of creation. For it is the beginning of our sacred convocations, a memorial of the exodus from Egypt. For you have chosen us, and you have sanctified us from all the nations. And you gave us your holy Shabbat with love and favor as a heritage. Blessed are you, O Lord, who sanctifies the Shabbat. Any problem saying that? No. It's tradition. No. Sorry. Some people might have issues with, you know, oh, anything rabbinic, we want to toss out the window. That's right there. No need to messianize, anything there. It's a pretty good pretty good prayer. So we have the, the lighting of the the lighting of the candles, the Kiddush, which is the, 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 the wine, and then the bread. The challah, I talked about the two loaves. There's a cover on there. You may have read... Kazdin talked about variously. It's a reminder of the dew or whatever was between the dew It's pushed the, the dew and the manna. Or if the manna was the dew the point is it was sandwiched somehow, and that's the picture of that challah covered. You know why it's covered? Because we bless the wine first, right? So why is the challah covered? You're gonna laugh at this one. No. It feels bad. We don't want to slight the challah. <laughs> that's that's the real. By the primary rabbinic tradition is you know what? We don't want the challah to feel bad because we have all this focus on the wine. Now it's your time to shine. time. Google it. You'll find out that I'm not, uh, not lying. Yeah, you, can't, you can't uncover it. Huh? You can't uncover it. You gotta work. Well, it's to do it, does it work? I don't think you do uncover it, see, but the point I is you un- can't cold. You un <laughs> it's
7: cold. Also,
1: uh, Kazdin did talk about this, why we typically, you know, we, we tear the challah. Did you all read that? So it's a reminder of the messianic age where we won't have any, you know, a knife is a symbol of war, an implement of death and war, and, you know, and Isaiah talks about the swords will be beaten into plowshares and there'll be no more war and so forth, so that's, that's the reason we, we tear the challah instead of slicing it. Then there's blessings over the children, the spouse, and then uh, what, what Phil mentioned is very important. There's also a thing called havdalah, which some of us know about. Some of us maybe had, had never heard about before we came into the congregation. Havdalah comes from the word separate Beginning in creation God separated things from, you know, light from the darkness, the same word is used there uh, that we, where we get habdalah. It's an idea of separation of the Sabbath, you know, from the time of the holy Sabbath to the profane. And again, not to say that, okay, once the Sabbath is over, woohoo, party time, nothing like that. It's, it's just a matter of, we see this as a picture of, we don't just sort of like let the Shabbat come and go. You ever had a birthday maybe as you're maybe getting past age 10, let's say, uh, and all of a sudden birthdays are kind of like, eh, yeah, it was my birthday, wonderful. And maybe you sort of came and went, right? Uh, or something that day just comes and goes. The idea is that the Sabbath is something we want to hold on to. We want to savor that last bit of it. So we drink wine with the habdalah. We smell spices and the, kind of the sweetness of the, Shabbat, of the Shabbat is leaving. So in a way we're almost mourning something we want to hold on to. It's not this idea that, okay, Shabbat's over, now it's time to... Be profane. It's just another, yet another way to to honor the Shabbat and hold on just a bit longer. Um, And I think I'm going to give you a couple of my conclusions, maybe take a question or two, because I did want to, something else I want to encourage you to look at, it's not in your notes, uh, but the book of Hebrews talks about a, a rest, a promised future rest. And the question is, what is that rest? Some want to say it's physical, some want to say it's spiritual, some want to say it happened. When, when, when the Israelites and the Jews entered the promised land. So I want to say it's future. And I think as believers, that's a good picture for us of the Shabbat. We read in the book of Hebrews that you know, we want to enter into that promised rest. Um, I do believe that's a picture of the fullness of that rest is in the millennial kingdom when, when Yeshua returns. And I think that's important for us because as my concluding questions uh, uh, here are, you know, we talk about that the Sabbath was established at creation, <laughs> was given to the Israelites before Sinai, then commanded at Sinai, and the last thing I write there is that it will continue in the world to come. I encourage you to look at those passages that has the Hebrews passage and also the Revelation passage because Shabbat, again, is a good reminder of these things uh, that we can take hold of in the here and now, but an important part of us when we when we talk about wanting our observances to be Yeshua-centered, um, that's an important one, is considering what the Shabbat means in the future. And a lot of these things are rehearsals for, for our, our time in the future. Um, so we'll close with this last question, and, and we won't we'll get many comments on it. But I just want to hear, hear from you guys. Um, in what ways can and should the weekly Shabbat be set aside and be a defining moment for us? And in what case, in what ways can it be more more for us than just a religious day? You know, Russell. The first thing that comes to my mind is where Yeshua talks about it is, it is
5: right to do good on the Sabbath. Uh, oh yeah, and I think that. All of us would do well to include others in our set, outsiders—not others within our
1: circle, but in mm-hmm. the world the large. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm sorry I spoke fast, but I had a lot of stuff to get through today. Any other any other comments no. or ways? It
8: a very good one how to build it. We can do it on Friday night Shabbat uh-huh. because I feel uh, most of the Friday nights I spend for myself. Yeah. And I light the candles. There's nobody to cheer
1: when. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of, lot of synagogues <laughs> have, have a Friday night service. There's also, you know, it's a time to be with family. On the one hand, on the other hand, yeah, I think we could spare one or a couple oh, Shabbats or on or a Friday night. <laughs>
2: like, yeah,
1: so. yeah. But, or like Russell said, invited, being invited into others' homes and things. Any other comments? It doesn't have to be necessarily about these questions. Any other comments uh, or things about, Joanne? Um, yes, it's something I'm not quite
8: understanding. Um, it's one thing to decide to take any day. Could be Sunday or any other day other than the yeah. seventh day. Yeah. If one thing is said, I want to put that day aside to honor the Lord. And we do things to honor the Lord. But I'm trying to understand why, if in the Ten, World, the Ten Commandments, which I think almost every believer thinks um, is something that should be. Um,
3: yeah.
8: Why would we? Now for the fourth commandment which is to the which is the seventh day which God said he blessed. Why is it preferable not to do that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't hope you didn't hear me say I agree. With, I don't agree with that either. I think there's a lot of things that are intention in the word. I mean, on the one hand, you know, as you even asking my friend Joe. You know, if you're in the if you're out in the desert and, and you're going to die, I mean, can you can you eat the pig if it runs by or something? You say, Well, of course. I mean, there's provisions for all that kind of stuff. Or you take some medicine that's not kosher medicine, meaning it's made of horses' hoofs or something. You know, marshmallow medicine, let's say, yes. jello medicine.
8: So. God
1: yeah. About so, so, God. so again, I mean, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Other than I don't, I don't know that it is preferable, or why, you know, why. But it, but it
8: is, David. I guess what mm-hmm. I'm saying it actually is actually a belief. Mm-hmm. It is actually a belief, mm-hmm. and I have put it from high um, intellectualism mm-hmm. yeah. that it is, it is wrong for that fourth commandment, and it is correct to instead do another thing.
1: I would, ch- I would challenge him to read Samuel Bakyoki's book. I mean, it's, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. It's like, it's like anything. I mean, I, all I can say is that, I mean, we have I put a lot of scripture in here that I think pretty much shows us that this is not the case. Why would someone say it's prevalent? Obviously, I understand the arguments for it. I understand the first day of the week argument. I understand when we're recognizing the resurrection of Yeshua. I mean, we can get into the same way. Would we celebrate Christmas? No, we celebrate Yom Yeshua. We're celebrating the resurrection. I mean, again, uh... I think you're right when you said that it's a reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. It,
6: this is
1: Tina, maybe we can hold that because I don't want to go too much over but Larry, you had something? Oh, just I was going to say that throughout history, after that,
5: mm-hmm. I read a book last year that discussed uh, about the Christian causing down Israel and recreating Christianity based on all the things in the Old Testament that use Israel as a. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, it says basically people like Martin Luther about Christianity in those years was English. It was worse than Hitler. it was. And the things are continuing today, today's day and age. Uh, not only are the Christians overall, as a whole world religion responding that way, but actually, when my son went to Israel two weeks ago, I hadn't made sure he didn't visit any messianic uh, synagogue because the regular Jews,
1: the Hasidic Jews, and the Orthodox Jews treat the Messianic Jews just like that. There's a lot of persecution. there. In fact, we, and we talked about it last week when it's your question. You
5: can't the, buy anything from. Yeah. They won't let you buy anything yeah. from Messianic Jews. Mm-hmm. We well, m- m- mentioned <laughs> last week. You, you mentioned
1: last week part, part of what you're saying, and I don't mean I'm not in, I'm not impl- or not um, advocating situational ethics or anything like that. Just pointing out that they mm-hmm. exist remember last week we talked about, you know, why would you keep some things and decide this isn't important, this one is important? Well, I mean, sometimes it's a situational thing, just like again, in the, in the, in the times of the Holocaust, when the Nazis are marching to your house to take your children, all of a sudden, where you wouldn't have thought of bringing your kid across the street to give to somebody, all of a sudden, you know, and again, I'm not saying that's the answer, or that's the, the reason for it, but the history is, a, is a, it's a powerful thing to argue against. As I'm reading, you know, commentaries and things this week, there's a whole, I mean, you know, the documentary hypothesis, there's things things that someone says, kind of like in Darwin's case, not to open the whole can of worms here, but someone has a thought and kind of puts a theory out there, and all of a sudden it becomes cemented that that's fact. And there's theories about how the Bible was written. And you read good, solid commentaries nowadays that talk about, what does he mean the the Deuterist or the the talks about in the Torah? What's he talking about? And you realize, oh, this is about the the idea that the Torah was composed by four different people over many centuries, and he's talking about this. And It was a theory at one time, but all of a sudden, man, it is fact. It has been solidified. So, again, this is we can uh, let, let's close now. I want to. I'll stay up here. We can keep talking. I want to just respect the, the folks that have children, and my wife especially, who's well, <laughs> watching the kids. I don't want to go over too long, but um, I don't necessarily think we need to do another week on the Shabbat. But I'm certainly available to to talk about any other stuff. I know I went through things really fast, but I would encourage you to take these notes and look at some of the passages, look at some of the references, because. Uh, these, are the, these are the passages that talk about the Shabbat. And you'll see what it, what it says, what it doesn't say. And even the New Testament passages I had there. So I would encourage you to go back and read those. And again, ask and pray, um, kind of for this last question that I said here, about in what ways that this day can be special to you, this day cannot be a relic, that this day can be more um, than just your religious day, your worship day that I go and, you know, Get, get there in an hour and a half, I'm home. Of course, you're not an hour and a half home at Yeshua Zion, but you know, I'm going to be there for a couple of hours and I'm going to go home and get it over with. There's got to be more in it than that, because the Bible talks about it in a way that it should be a delight and a desire, and that it was made made for you. So, let's uh, let's just close, close in prayer here, and, uh, and we'll conclude. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity tonight to uh, get together and to look into your word and what you have to say about the Shabbat, Lord, and we just pray that, I pray for each person here that although we are, quote, observing the Shabbat now as a, as a community, that, Lord, we would learn to even more enjoy the Shabbat and understand more why you made it uh, for us. And that pray that it can become more than just a, a religious day for us, Lord, that it can be more than just something, I mean, on the one hand, yes, it identifies us, yes, it ties us in with the larger body of, of, uh, of, of believers, it also ties us in with with other Jewish people, Lord, but that we would be able to extract from this day um, something that would uh, draw us closer to you. We so thank you for this time. Pray for the safe uh, return next week as we look into the Passover. And uh, just ask your blessing on everyone who's leaving here tonight, that we get home safely. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Amen.